just orientate me a little. <laughs> okay. Okay, here we are, Wednesday the 14th of May 2008. And I want to hand over to Gina so that she can tell us what's been going on in her life in these last couple of weeks, or days even. Um, well, I'm not, I haven't written anything down, so uh, you'll have to excuse me if I waffle, because speaking isn't my greatest gift, I have to say. I mean, I can waffle a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's just a couple of incidents, well, a couple of incidences, there's been loads of incidences, but there's been a couple of really outstanding uh, lessons that God has had to take me through very graphically. Um, one to do with trust and the other to do with not worrying about hurting those you love. So if we go to the trust one first, um, every time I went out at home I would lock my bedroom door uh, because I didn't want Paul being able to come in and just rummage through my room because I didn't want him to. That was it. I just didn't want him to. And uh, Sam used to get really annoyed, actually, all the time. Why are you locking your door? Why are you locking your door? Well, because I want to. I don't want your dad to come in into my room. Well, he won't be coming round anyway. But I carried on locking my door. And then I found I had a spare chub lock key for the, down, the, the outer door, actually, because I didn't tell you this bit as well. And uh, so I stopped locking my door for a short while, and I used to chub lock the front door. Well, after a while, the chub lock wouldn't work just couldn't lock it you know sometimes to begin with I could lock it and it was hard to undo but I could get it undone with a wiggle and a wobble you know but um, after a few weeks it just wouldn't wouldn't lock it didn't matter however I tried it would not lock so that was that so back I go to lock in my bedroom door and then on uh, Saturday night I went out and um, I locked my bedroom door and uh, you know, Sam's still saying, like, why are you locking your bedroom door? So I should have listened to her, but anyway. Um, came home, you know, put the key in my car, like time, I normally time do. Was. Oh, the time was like one thirty in the morning. <laughs> or one o'clock in the morning, yeah, between one and one thirty in the morning. I get home absolutely exhausted, wanting to go to bed, and um, can't find the key. Can I find the key? I can't find the key. And I... I'm telling you, I, I looked through every nook and cranny of that car and I also had a bag with some potatoes in that I meant to give to Phil and I, you know, looked in there, moved the potatoes around, moved the broccoli around that was in there too, nothing. I thought, well, that's it. Drove all the way back to Dave and Z's because I thought, well, then I must have dropped it out when I took my handbag out and it must have, you know, knocked it off. There I was at, like, by now, probably two-ish in the morning, you know, creeping out again hoping they wouldn't see me come back you know thinking I've probably some you know I've gone mad or something and I'm looking at the curb and you know, everywhere nothing absolutely nothing so back I go and I thought well, okay Lord I'm locked out my bedroom door I need to get into my bedroom I want to get into my bedroom I want to go to sleep you know I just couldn't conceive of sleeping anywhere else but my room and um, so I thought I know you know, obviously, you know, thieves, you know, they get things like hair grips and things. And, you know, you hear of them opening doors with hair grips. So that's it. Out come the paper clips, the hair grips, the There's small screwdrivers, <laughs> the, you know, oh, everything. You know, and I could feel the catch, but I just couldn't, ever, couldn't quite get the catch. So I'm talking to the Lord all the while, and he's not really saying a lot, really. You know, when I look back on it now. 
he's just sort of not saying a lot and I because I, I was sure that, that that thought of you know get the hair grip mm -hmm. or the paper clip was from the Lord I was sure it was you know anyway so um, so anyway after trying for about well by now it's definitely quarter to three in the morning and I'm saying okay Lord what do I do next I said I've tried everything and uh, he said go and get the big Phillips screwdriver I thought great that's it he's given me the answer Take I'll get the off. big Phillips no I tried taking the handle off you can't get into the lock through the handle um, I took the little key thing off and all it is it just covers up the hole they've made in the wood it's, you can't get into the lock that would believe me I tried everything you name it I tried it you name it I tried Phillips it so we'll have the large Phillips screwdriver <laughs> so down I trot because by now I'm really tired like it's like gone three in the morning and I'm thinking oh goodness sake. But okay go get the big screwdriver okay get upstairs it doesn't fit in the lock lord you know I can't do anything with the big Phillips screwdriver why did you well I must have heard you wrong then it wasn't you that was talking at all so I put the Phillips screwdriver down and I, I'm, I can't tell you, I tried everything. I, um, yeah, I just tried everything. I mean, so anyway, so except for stopping and really sort of saying, praise you, Lord, I'm just going to sit with you. Okay. So I think, okay, I've got to get into my room. You know, the key's obviously lost. I'm going to have to break in. I thought it'd be an easy matter of getting a really big screwdriver, shoving it in where the lock is, you know, like the square bit, and then as you lever it, it'll push it back in. No. I've got ham I mean, how people didn't hear? 3.34 in the morning by now we're talking, You're okay? Now breaking and I'm hammering this screwdriver into the lock. We was... We was um Sam was out with her. She stayed over at her friends that night. So I'm happy. If she'd been there, she would have like, I told you not to lock the door. But anyway, I hammered this screwdriver in and I tried everything to lever it. It moved a bit, but do you think you could, it would not budge? It didn't matter. You know, and, I'm, and at one point, I've got three screwdrivers. <laughs> She's having an operation here now. There's three screwdrivers. Trying to lever it while I'm trying to do with the hairpin. <laughs> Never make a burglar. So I thought, okay, that's it, I'll give up. So I still didn't think to say to the Lord, okay, Lord, I'll give up, you know. I'm going to lie I on the floor. I was going to say, I think he's probably bringing us to the end of herself, but we'll <laughs> put that in there. I thought, anyway, so instead I go and I sat on the computer. I thought, I'll just wait till daylight, but I've got to stay awake. So I sit on the computer and I'll wait till daylight. And then in the daylight, I'm going to search my car again. And if it's still, if I still can't see it, maybe it was because it was too dark. I've got this if I still plan. can't see it, I'm going to drive to Dave and Z's again. I'm going to walk all the way, not just where I'd park the car, but all the way up their garden path, everything. So, um, I think it got light about half five, six in the morning. So down I trot to the car. And, oh, by now I've damaged my door, by the way. You know, I mean, I have like the wood, well, put it this way, quite a bit of wood needs replacing on the door and on the frame as well um <laughs> went down to the car looked in every nook and cranny nothing and I thought I'll just look in this bag one more time open the bag and there it is I don't even have to move the potatoes out of the way there's the key and I thought well 
why don't you tell me where it was, Lord? I asked you last night, where's the key? But you wouldn't tell me where the key was. You knew it was in that bag all along. Why didn't you tell me where the key was? <laughs> Nothing, no, you know, silence. So I've got the key in my hand and suddenly the thought pops into my head, what if I've damaged the lock too much to open it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah? So I go upstairs and lo and behold, I put the key in, it goes in okay, went to turn it, would not turn, but I did get a screwdriver this time because I really felt the Lord say, yeah, go on, the screwdriver in the keyhole turn, you know, like the hole of the key, yeah. and it opened, but it is too damaged to lock again. Okay. And the Lord said, eventually. <laughs> she rang me and she told me this, and I said, he's saying X, Y, so she said, that's right. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> What have you got to hide? Why don't you trust me enough to protect you? You know, why are you locking your door? You don't need to, you know. And then a bit later on, I think that same day, um, because the one thing about two weeks ago, or maybe three weeks ago, out of my mouth came, the Lord is taking me to a totally new level of trust that I don't even understand, you know, because I've, you know, I trust him a lot more up until that point you know, from when I first became a Christian. I mean, it's been a whole process. But this is a totally different level. It's just like, just trust me. If I say leave it unlocked, just leave it. Why are you worried? Because what it was, it was fear that was making me lock that door as well. It wasn't really that I had anything to hide, but I didn't want Paul kind of coming in and invading my space. And I don't know, it was just like this fear thing, you know. Both of them, you know, about protection, aren't they? Self-protection, yeah. both of them. And... Um, um, yeah, but also, and it was also a fear of having something taken away, like my writing, for instance. I kept mm. thinking, I don't want him rummaging through all my writing and stuff like that. Anyway, so later on that day, I think, or the next day, I suddenly got another eureka moment because I still kept puzzling, Lord, why didn't you just tell me? Eureka. And I suddenly got this picture of the big Phillips screwdriver in my mind. And he said, I tried to tell you that it was worth, it was pointless you trying to open your door because I had something to tell you but you didn't stop you carried on he said had you stopped at that point you wouldn't have damaged the door but that's okay you've learnt your lesson I thought oh okay so that was that one so the salutary <coughs> lesson for us all yeah so it was you know just it really is about trusting him on a totally different level you know like really just with everything and just really don't worry about you know, because if anything is taken at the end of the day, he's allowing it and there's a reason for it. Do you know mm, what I mean? That's it. If, you know, whatever you need to keep, you'll keep. And whatever, you know, I don't know, I suppose the other side to it is, you know, you sort of, you know, someone's been horrible to you, you don't want their kind of persona in your space. Do you know what I mean? But he's saying, but I'm covering you, I'm protecting you, it doesn't matter. You're in the world, you know. I suppose looking at it another way, if Jesus had been a bit like that, he wouldn't have mixed with anybody, would he? Yeah. <laughs> and, and what we miss is that the Lord loves that person even if we don't. Yes. And that is yeah. the vital ingredient, you know. I mean, I've been having some with Michelle again. Uh -huh. And uh, I said, Lord, you're going to have to love her through me. You're going to have to show me how you see her because uh -huh. I, I can't, it, it, her behaviour to me is so bizarre that I can't uh -huh. handle it. Gina, looking back, Mm -hmm. God was speaking mostly through Sam about this issue. Absolutely. Well, it was only Sam because obviously there's only me and Sam there. But she was so 
upset she'd get quite upset about the fact that I locked the door you know but like Beryl said it's like locking her out although we were both on the same side of the door but it was saying you can't come into my space I suppose as well but also I do believe see because she it has been spoken over her that she is a seer like a prophetess uh, or pro, you know like she is prophetic whether she's a natural prophetess I don't know but um, and she does say come out with things that some way down the road I just know it's been God speaking to her speaking to me through her you know fine tuning yeah definitely we've been having some of that so yeah and so the next one was oh, let me just stop little break revelation number two uh, yeah. revelation number two lesson number two as well it occurred to me too mm -hmm. was it both about the bed you wanted to get to the bed and in the second one you were in the bed Yes. But I don't know if there's any significance no. to that. Okay, well, I'll just uh, ask the Lord about that one. But right, the second one was on Monday, my birthday. Uh, Paul's mum stayed over with me. She came over Sunday because she wanted to spend my birthday day with me. And, uh, you know, and we do we get on really well, and she's really lovely, and, you know, she loves me to bits and whatever. And anyway, in the morning, she brought me up a cup of tea, as you do, because it's your birthday, you know. So. I'm drinking my tea, sort of trying to wake up because my eyes were kind of, you know, rolling in my head like they do first thing in the morning. And um, anyway, I drink about just under half a cup of tea and my mugs are bigger than that, so they're, they're quite big. I've gone to put the... I'm sort of like, like this. Now, if you imagine, I'm sort of lying on the bed sideways. Um, Paul's mum is sitting just by my knees, that's all. She was right near me. And, um, yeah, so she's sitting on the bed there and I'm sort of lying like this. And I've gone to put my tea down on my bedside table and it has completely missed, completely missed. So as I've gone to put it down, just a corner of it, because that's what it was, it was the corner of the cup hit the, um, the, the bedside table, which is quite low down, and it literally just went straight across the room like that, okay? Bear in mind she's only two feet away from me and there is tea all over the carpet all over the wooden edge of my bed. The mattress got tea Close. stains all over it. And I, and today I noticed it had gone, I knew it had gone, I'd had a few drops over by the mirror. So literally, I mean, it, it traveled, you know, but even this morning I saw there was some splashed all the way down the mirror. Paul's mum had Good beige one. and white on. There was not one single drop of tea on her not one single drop and I was looking at the pattern in the carpet it was like it made an arc around her and I thought this is definitely a lesson because it was so supernatural that I just kept, I kept saying I've got to keep I've got to look at you again I've got to look at you again and I just kept looking at her clothes I said there is not not even a tiny drop of tea not even a little tea. spot nothing absolutely nothing and she felt it go near her, but nothing. So I said, I, I said, I know there's a lesson in this. And I, and I just felt the Lord say, you still worry that you're gonna, you know, because he started to give me things to do, like handing over that word, you know, um, at church and stuff. And there's still that bit, there's well, not quite a bit in me, that worries about hand, you know, about doing things that could possibly hurt people I love. But he was saying, you know, I'm going to give you stuff to give, you know, and he has done over the years anyway, 
He said, but really, don't worry. It's not going to hurt them. I'm going to protect you and them in the sense of that even if the truth is negative when it first comes, like Beryl says, it, won't, it ultimately is for their good, not for their harm. And I'm not, you know, do you know what I mean? It's not... Don't try to protect them from that's it. That's right. Don't try to protect them from it because he's there and he's the protector of them as well as, yeah, well, of them, really. And it's just incredible. You know, because even now I just keep, you know, seeing her in my mind's eye without a drop of tea on her at all. And she was literally sitting on the edge of the bed like that and it went right across like that. Literally, straight across. And it should have got the whole of the bottom of her trousers. Amazing. I'll so rest my case. Yes. There we go. So, so I'm, 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 I'm resting quite peacefully now because I think well, God has got it all in hand. Oh, Amen. You're you having know. an accelerated um, lesson in in um, letting go of protection of anything, aren't you? Especially well, yeah. God's really you actually protect it more. Yeah. 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 Well, and and the other thing he 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 showed me as well with that particular incident as well is there will come a time when I will be saying you know because I love Paul's mum a lot and but she's you know doesn't she's not a believer she's not born again she's into all this like you know sort of new agey spiritualist type stuff um but ultimately there is only one ultimate truth and we know who the truth is you know he is the way the truth and the life and it was so part of that as well is that that would be a very graphic picture for her that you know what I'm throwing at her, if you like, like this cup of tea, <laughs> isn't for her harm. Yeah, it isn't for her harm at all. We yeah. was, when we were talking about it, I said to Gina, "Been there, seen it, done it." I had a dream, mm. and funnily enough, I realised there was a bed in my dream. Oh, as well. right. I've probably <laughs> told you this one before, but in the dream, I'm standing at the foot of a bed, and there's a person sitting sitting up in the bed, and I've got like um, a clipboard. And because I'm left-handed, when I put a pin in, I, it comes out that way. So if anyone brushes, they're going to hurt themselves on that pin. So in this dream, I'm taking the pin out from that way, because I always used to have to do this with Manny, because he didn't like catching his fingers, and trying to put it in that way so yeah. it didn't hurt anyone. And the person in the bed at that point says to me, that's your trouble, you always want to soften things. Well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And when I prayed about it, the Lord was saying, I give you a word, yeah. you take it out and put it in at a different angle, yeah, you lose the power of the word that I've given you because you try to soften it. Yeah. So it's, it's really, it's the same sort of lessons coming through in a different way. It is, because t if you think about it, if it had been a glass of water, it wouldn't have had the same impact because yeah. water will dry up. Because I've that's got it. a tea stain on that carpet now, which obviously is going to have to be steam cleaned out, but that's okay. Um, but it's like it it looks like it's going to be messy and hurtful, but it isn't. No. So just do it the way it's meant to be done. That's, that's it. Yeah. I, I I I knew immediately yeah. what it was. <laughs> I'm taking it out to yeah. make it palatable, yeah. so that it doesn't yeah. hurt anyone when they go like. Yeah. So I don't mm. now. I do what I'm told and give it and leave it and. Mm. When I get the flack, I duck and let it hit the person. <laughs> <laughs> Because he's well able. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yes. I had a tremendous lesson in uh, the difference between forgiving and excusing when I was at Bexley. 
And I'd phoned David, who, who not only was my pastor, but he was in the finance department at Bexley, and I'd said something to him, and he was really grumpy, really grumpy to me, and I thought, oh, you know, didn't deserve that. So on the way home, I'm thinking, oh, well, I expect he'd had a bad day. I expect he was up, maybe had a headache. All these things, all these reasons I was cooking up for why he'd been grumpy. So I'm having a bath later on in the day, and it was like the Lord said, excuse me, oh, yeah, uh, you what? You didn't forgive him, you know. What do you mean? Of course I did. I <laughs> thought he'd got uh, it was probably this. Or probably, no, 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 you were excusing him. Mm. Now I want you to forgive him. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So there's a difference between excusing someone mm. and forgiving them. Mm. And we need to forgive, not excuse them. Mm. You know. Because what they will do sometimes is inexcusable and we still have to forgive them. Because mm. forgiveness mm. is simply just a, tr a choice. Um, and every time we see it from God's point of view, I mean, it does, it makes you laugh. Mm. Because it, that's why he's always smiling. He thinks, why do you get yourself involved in these things? Mm. It's just not worth it, you know. Just forget it. I mean, it's going to happen. In a day, you're going to have 60 seconds of every day, 60 choices to make about whether you're going to be take offence at that, get upset at that, retaliate to that. You're going to get these things coming up, aren't you? You just get to choose where you're going to live, mm. really. But you find if you make the wrong choice that at the end of the day you've got a low-grade something going on mm. Mm. and everything comes on top of that. Mm. So if you, if you know which side your bread's buttered, as my mother used to say, do it like that. Does anybody want to share what like Grace has said about what God said to her when we were in that little quiet bit? Don't all rush. No? <laughs> right. Well, I'll tell you what he said to me immediately. He said, different pace, uh, quick steps, slow steps, stillness and focus. And then he said, every time you thank him, it's spiritual warfare. Every time you praise him, it's spiritual warfare. Every time you worship, it's spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's interesting, interesting stuff, interesting times. And I distinctly just felt, you know, like Grace said, that I'd said, don't look back. Don't go there. Just don't go there. Sometimes I'm going to think something mm -hmm. and the Holy Spirit says, don't go there. Mm -hmm. Oh, all right, then I won't. Would it be good if Grace reads out what she, just what she wrote down? Yes, um, because it wasn't it'd be on, on there, the tape. Mm. No. Grace, what God told you. Okay. Um, do I have to start the whole thing about... No, no, just whatever. whatever just whatever you, you wrote on your pad. Okay, yeah. because that was sort of in line with what oh. I was... Just, I was grumbling about something to do with my, <laughs> my other half. I don't know. Okay. Okay. I was grumbling about something at home to Gina, um, coming up in the car today, 14th of the 5th, 06. Um, oh, wait. Oh, oh wait, yes. Well, that's Even. strange because I wrote. Oh, You're going back. Day. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. My other half. My other half isn't a Christian, so obviously you go to different places. Anyway, um, God said to me, um, you know, while we were having this meeting, um, what was that all about yesterday? 
Then he says, um, you left that path a long time ago. Don't go back there again. Don't even visit. It's not even familiar to you anymore. You don't even need to do spiritual warfare when it happens again. Just laugh. Just laugh. And then I felt he just bent down and, um, and kissed me, smiling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, um, my ways are to your gain. I have conquered so you can walk in the victory. Yeah. And then he, um, he reminded me of a, a song with David, you know, he says, when the spirit of the Lord is within your heart. You know, mm -hmm. and I think it's that song about you know David singing and worshiping and, and yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. okay, and it's uh, Wednesday the twenty-second. Oh, I'm ever so yeah. glad about that. I've stuck Wednesday the twenty-second on my notes, so that's good, isn't it? We change that for a start. <laughs> So it's Wednesday the, the 21st of May 2008 and we've somehow got ourselves on to talking about spiritual warfare um, because I've been sort of saying to the Lord for, for because I'm doing this thing now and it's going to be three sessions on spiritual warfare not consecutively there's this first dollop on the 30th of May it's like three levels uh, there'll be level one which is this one then the intermediate and then the you know uh, and so, um, not that I am, a, no, an expert in this, but we're all on the battlefield or in a, in a in, on manoeuvres or square bashing or something. We're all in a certain place in this because everything we do is an act of warfare against the enemy if it is righteousness. So every time you do something righteous, it is an outright act of warfare. Loving your husband or the husband loving his wife is an act of warfare. Being kind to someone, it's an act of warfare. It is that low level, it is that right where you live. Having a bad thought, conversely, is an act of warfare because you're actually on the enemy's side. This is why it's so important that we get renewed and transformed in our thinking keeping the law it's an act of warfare because he is the son of lawlessness and things that we are casual about we may think about differently when we see them as being an act of warfare you know um, just for for instance uh, some of us you know customarily break the speed limit We've got fast cars and we go fast, but that is actually in the enemy's territory. You're right in, and it's only the protection of God that will protect you in that, uh, because you're actually outside of the law of the country. So it's as it's as earthy as that, as every time you keep within the speed limit, the bloke behind you might be. You are doing an act of warfare, and it is evidenced by the act of the person behind you. Mm, that happens a lot. 
can't stand it. I've had someone pursue me over the bridge here, absolutely furious, toot, toot, toot and rooting and tooting at me because I was keeping the 30 mile an hour speed limit in, in Five Oak Green. I was quite frightened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because he was, he was a, he was so mad. And I knew why he was mad. It was, come on, get a move on. But that is warfare. That is right when you're nose to nose. But what I, I was really wanting to say was that for some time I've been saying to the Lord, it's time I started teaching the girls how to war a good warfare with regard to ordinary things like catching a cold. Mm. You don't have to have a cold. Mm. Joyce and I will fight sore throats, colds, and sometimes we get so mad because it will just happen in the middle of the night while you're asleep and you wake up with your pouring, you know, and you think, crept up on me while I was asleep. Some, some, and I'll tell you the thought you need not to have when you've battled it for about four days and this sore throat will not go is, oh, go on then. Because if you do that, it's in. And you then find out how real the fact is that he knows that what you're thinking. Don't ever believe anyone that says the enemy can't read your thoughts. That's where he operates. It's his playground. He has an open readout to everything you're thinking all the time. Which is why if you've got your mind focused on the Lord and righteousness, he ain't going to come there. He don't like that. It's too much light in there. Don't want that. So just just foundational things like being able to, to stay healthier longer <laughs> are things that we, we live in a fallen world and it's his playground. But we want to take ground. And that's the kind of ground that we actually want to take. And sometimes, as you know with Graham's teaching, it's, it's a keeper, sometimes it's a deliverer. With me, with my knee, God said, that will get better. Um, but I don't know if I ever told you about the fact that when it finally did get better, and I thank the Lord that it was better, thank you for healing me, he rebuked me sternly and said, I didn't heal you, the demonic left you. So don't thank me for what the enemy's just vacated. Do you see the difference? Mm -hmm. But when you're praying against something like that, as we're learning, we need to pray also for the physical healing. It was, it was your husband taught me this, because he came down and said, the Lord has told me that you, when you've rebuked these things and they've gone out of my system, you need to pray for the tearing that the enemy has done in the flesh and the blood and the blood vessels and all that where where there was actual literal damage mm. which is what is going on with Anne's back that there is damage that's why so Gina prayed for healing you know, as well because mm. so I wasn't uh, sure if that was right or wrong totally, I, felt, I felt totally like it was totally right you two things you get rid of the enemy mm. and you pray for the healing mm. uh, and we're all learning all the way along all the time uh, about what, as, as Graham says, you've got your training ground, you've got your proving ground, and you've got the battleground. And mm. none of us are on the battleground proper yet. Mm, mm. Uh, when we get on, on the battleground, we'll know. Sometimes it's a sustained thing, and you and you think, I can't, you know, can't stand up under this. But this is where the Lord, you learn, the Lord is your strength. 
Um, so anyway, I didn't want to go off onto that, but it was something that I felt that with doing all this spiritual warfare stuff, which is coming up on the 31st of May, it isn't that you'll be able to listen to it and think, right, God, that was the next lesson. It is something that there will be so much in there that you will find that you will need to put into practice because it's one thing to win a battle and it's another totally different thing to hold the ground that you won. Mm. I mean, the, the obvious example with me there is when I got saved and I gave up, uh, the Lord took me off the drink. Ten years, ten years I'm dry. I came into this situation, I start getting stressed by the stuff and I start to have a little bit to help. He waits his chance to take back the ground that's been won. We have to stay vigilant because your enemy walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. This is where the fear focused and on your guard comes in. Absolutely, and having done all to stand. Jesus has won the victory, so therefore we are condemned to victory, but we have to hold that place. We don't actually actually have to defend anything. We just have to stand and hold the place. And that is what is always going on, is the erosion of what we've got. And if he can stop us recognising actually what we do have, mm. if he can keep us on the outside in low self-esteem and all that nonsense, He's got us, because we're never going to be walking in the place that that Jesus won, the travail of his soul. We're never actually going to be walking there, because he keeps whispering in, well, of course, you know, God loves you, other people, but you're a bit different, aren't you? You know, you're a bit pathetic, you're a bit helpless, and, well, you know, you're just scraping in by the skin of your... Yes. It's only got to do that sort of thing, and he's got us. That's where the battle is. Graham says it's that thing between your ears that educated idiot box as that dear man Harold Hill called it I thought that is the most wonderful thing somebody and I don't remember who it was one of, one of the, the men that was used mightily by the Lord said of, of our head any old Swede will do And just as a word of testimony, really, I mean, God told June that he was going to teach me how to to do the stuff on the on the computer. Because you know what I'm like. I can sit down next to June, nodding in agreement, writing me notes down, then I start trying to do it, and it's like trying to do maths as far as I'm concerned. Somebody rang me night before last and, and uh, she said, uh, I didn't get my CD, she said, from um, the conference, the uh, school in January. Oh dear, oh. And I said, I'm af- I, you know, I'm no good at this, I'm afraid, I can't, I can't do that. And we chatted on a bit anyway. And then I said to the Lord after I got off the phone, I said, I'm going to have a go at this. I said, I'm going to have to have a go at it. So I had an unsuccessful attempt at it. And then last night, about must have been about quarter to eight, I went in to do something in the room there and found myself running off CDs from what was... <laughs> don't ask me how. I said, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. <laughs> then I realised I was running off the wrong set. I was running off entering in, which was last year. Mm. I thought, 
Oh, it was in the face of God that she came to. Oh, well, okay. So off we go again after a few false starts and error, 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 and you know, <laughs> these trays coming in. Couldn't I? I don't. I mean, I haven't tried to listen to him, so I don't know whether I've got it right. But I had a go. I got day one, day two, and day three, and I thought, okay. I realised that if I punched in uh, in the face of God, it all came up like that in a little bunch. So that was nice, one, two, three. Well, worse four. It was a Thursday there. And she specifically said, I loved it when Esther sang. And I thought, day four. I went right through everything, everywhere I couldn't find it at all. I thought, okay, go and get the CDs that are over there and see if you can record the last two. <laughs> onto there and then make a copy of that did it did something else as well not sure what it was because when I turned it on this morning I got you have um, a CD waiting to be burnt I thought have I <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll just cancel that out because by then I'd learnt how to knock it off the playlist as well yeah, yeah. so what she's actually got on these CDs I'm not quite sure <laughs> but I kept last night I couldn't sleep I was so excited triumph I was like to the Lord triumph <laughs> Because it's losing its fear, that's what's happening. Usually I give up, it keeps saying, I keep doing the same thing, it keeps saying the same thing, till I think, oh, I can't, I can't do this. Anyway, so there we are. Learned a few, few things there, I don't know where I, where I went with that. Ah, oh, oh, gather me for a minute, would you? <laughs> okay. So, in talking about the love walk, which is what the Lord has asked me to call this rather than the Agape Road, um, really we're talking about spiritual warfare because everything we do, if we're being loving towards someone or kind towards someone, that the enemy is a stench in his nostrils. So I don't know about you, I want to make a stench up his nose. Mm. Uh, because it's time we understood really what what it's all about what the Christian walk is all about and it for some of us it's going to not be like we thought it was um, as I said to you earlier on those of you who were here earlier that this prophetic word from Richards was along the lines that God had been feeding loads of stuff into me from various different places and that it, the result of it was going to be that I said I see it and because I see it, I will bring it more simply than it actually came to me. Because I don't know about you, maybe this is just me. There are things that Graham Cook says that I do not understand his phraseology. Mm -hmm. I don't understand what he means. So I'm stuck because I don't fully understand the way the man speaks. So that takes me a long time before I get a revelation of, ah, that's what he's talking about. Um, and so the R factor has been <laughs> happening this week well I've had these couple of days to, completely to myself it's been brilliant I love it when Joyce is here but I love it when I'm on my own and and it, the, the, the well factor has been quite high because I've been able to just be still and I'm not seeking the Lord or anything but my mind is receptive to what he's saying 
And so things that I have wrestled with and sort of put over there have, have started to come really clear for me. One of the things that he used to say, and you'll all say, oh yeah, well I know what that is, is values. And you need, he used to say, you need a statement of what your values are. And I'm thinking, well, yeah. Well, let's, for instance, Church on the Way had a statement of values and it was like, we're a child-friendly church and we, because we're child-friendly, therefore we do this and that and the next thing. Actually, that's not a statement of values at all. Um, let me give you a, a statement of values um, from Colossians, from the book of Colossians. And this is where I had one of my Eureka, I see it moments. because it is so simple. When I first got saved, my boss said to me, the trouble with you is your values have all changed. Mm. And I thought, well, I understood from that he meant you don't lie anymore now, so you're no use to me, uh, which was absolutely true, he hated it. Um, but, um, yeah, Colossians. It's very good in the NIV actually because it's actually headed up in the NIV rules for holy living. And what we're talking about is when we're talking about values is the rules by which we live. And this came to me as, as such a, um, a revelation. So if you had, if someone had to ask you what your rule of life was, what would you say? Would it be this, Colossians three seventeen? And I'll personalise it. Whatever I do, in word or deed, I do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So, would your rule of life, would everything be pressed through that? that everything I did, everything I thought, everything I, throughout the day, I did it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So I had um, an explosive understanding. And it sounds like a simple scripture until you see that everything in your life was going to be pushed through that. So would you be prepared to bring your life under the scrutiny of this scripture so that whatever you did in word or deed you do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ see it would make you think about things like breaking the speed limit it would make you think about how you respond to people and all the time you're doing that it's like a rule of life means that what we think, speak and act out act out of is, is out of the position that God has placed us in, in Christ. And we're dominated by that. And so we're on a bound to respect the place of favour that we have in God. And therefore we have to extend that same favour to others, no matter whether they are saved or unsaved. So we show the same grace, the same love and the same favour to everybody because that is what we have. 
So it would make me think twice about arguing with someone or going for them <coughs> thinking negatively about them. I don't think the thoughts I thought last week, this week, because I'm getting this educated idiot box under control. So we forgive because we're forgiven and we forgive with the same ease and delight that the Father does towards us. He delights when we appeal to the blood of Jesus because we've done something wrong, we ask his forgiveness, we're appealing to the blood, he loves it. So this rule of life is designed to take us way beyond the normal practice of living. Because living through a rule of life like this will attract the Holy Spirit. Living with any other rule of life will attract the other fellow. So we're back to spiritual warfare. If you live by the rule of life that everything is under the scrutiny of one, which is the Lord Jesus Christ and the Father, that everything we do in word or deed comes under their scrutiny, we become extremely aware of when we're stepping out of line, become very sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and we attract the presence of God. If, on the other hand, we choose to live outside of that, we're attracting the other guy. I've always loved the book of Colossians and specifically Colossians 3. So it, it is just a very short word really. But since you were raised with Christ, rule of life, seek those things which are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind, this educated idiot box, on things above, not on the earth beneath. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is our life appears, then you will appear with him in glory. So here comes the specifics. Put off and put on. Put to death your members which are on earth. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. We all give a tick to that because none of us have got any of those. Verse 8, but now you must also put these off. Anger, oh, well, we might have some of that. Wrath, malice, I want to get my own back. Blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Hopefully that doesn't happen very often. Oops, here comes one that might be nearer. Do not lie to one another since you've put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Verse 12, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, walk in these things, tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, you'll have lots of opportunity to do that if you live with me, <laughs> and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against one another, remember one of the batons I gave you a list of the one another's? Anybody looked them up? 
I won't look for a show of hands. Even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. I tell you, if you do look up the one another's, you know, if you use it as a bit of homework, and I, I did already give it out, you will actually find that the Word of God will work in you. Because as you read it, so it does something in you. You can't do without your, your necessary food every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You start having a look at the one another's, preferring one another's, esteeming one another. And then the, the final thing on verse 14, but above all these, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And we know, don't we, that love is not sloppy agape. Love is kind, it's patient. It's all those things that we looked at when we looked at the fruit of the Spirit. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. There's your rest. The peace of God. Those things which bothered me last week don't bother me this week by God's grace. That is coming into the rest of God. Not allowing those things to get up your left nostril like they did. Not allowing it. And it is an active thing. It's like when fear comes in, you've got to do something about that thing. And that is push it away. There is so much activity we actually have to do in the spirit. You know, a wave of fear comes over. You push it away. It, and you will not give it entrance. And you express your confidence in God no matter what the situation is your first recourse is expressing confidence in him this is coming into the rest and we enter it because we believe Hebrews 4 says they didn't enter in to their rest because of unbelief so we've really got to nail unbelief in our lives and choose to believe. It's, it's ever so black and white, really. We make a choice. The number of times I've said, I don't know, but I'm making a choice. I'm just, I'm just making a choice here. I'm not going that way. Because And the minute you do that, the warfare, it'll seem like it breaks out everywhere. Because why? Because God wants to strengthen you in that area. So let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. That's not the earthly wisdom, spiritual wisdom. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And here we come your rule of life and whatever you do in word or deed or your value do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him our inheritance in Christ is to bear the likeness of Jesus to bear his character Gifting and character, as I've so often said, are two completely different things. One is fruit, one is rooted and coming off the vine. The other one is like a bauble on a Christmas tree. Don't ever, 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 ever be led away 
by people's gifting. It's character. The husbandman comes looking for fruit. Okay, God bless. This is entitled Fragile Handle with Care. Like a frightened little bird, your spirit is fragile. It needs to be handled with care. Trust me, because only in my hands, in my hands, will you be handled with care. You flutter here, there and everywhere, but you never rest in the nest of trust in me. Like the most fragile glass, I will hold you tenderly, tenderly in my hands. I will not crush you or smash you, even if it feels that way sometimes. But I cannot speak to you when you're on the run. Don't get me wrong, I have spoken to you on the run, but now is the time to stop. Stay still in the nest of rest. Let me into your heart deeply. Let me show you a more wonderful way. Will you trust me for everything, not try to analyse it, work it out? Bring it about like Abraham and Sarah, when they lost their trust for a time, and out of that came Ishmael, out of whom came Islam. This is what happens when you take matters into your own hands. I and I alone am God. I can see the beginning from the end. I know the plans I have for you, but the question is, will you? Will you trust me enough to take you, take you to the promised land? Or will you, like Abraham and Sarah, make your own Ishmael? Will you declare war on your very own self by following what you think I want for you, or will you rest in the nest of trust and let me hold you, comfort you, heal you and lead you because I know you are fragile and I will handle you with care. That's the end of the poem but um, what I noticed that when Ishmael was con conceived Abraham and Sarah were Abraham and Sarai. Mm -hmm. So will we be Abraham and Sarai who did things their way or will we be Abraham and Sarah? who did things God's way. Amen. Oh,